Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is so good. God is so good. I've had a scripture that spoke to me a few years ago, and I put it on a little post-it note, and I stuck it on the dash of my truck, and then it had been there for at least three or four years. And I'd looked at this scripture. I'd looked at it over and over and over, and I thought about ministering on it, but I just didn't feel like it was the right time. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Isaiah chapter 45, verses 2 through 3. It says, I will go before you and I will make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, which call you by your name and the God of Israel. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given me to be here to minister your word. And thank you, Lord, for every person that is here that had the desire to come hear your word, to be here tonight, God. Anoint me because your word is already anointed, Lord, to speak exactly what you've given me to say tonight. Have your way in the remainder of the service, Lord, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. I know why God had this postponed because there were some things that from the time that the Lord gave me this verse till now that he had to show me that he had done gone before me. And now I look back, I see that he was ahead of me in a lot of situations that I didn't know how it was going to work out. But to kind of get into the understanding and the backdrop of this scripture, if you've ever read the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah kind of unfolds in terms of the analogy of a, a covenant lawsuit between God and the people of Israel. We know a covenant involves two people and an agreement, and they both have to fulfill their side of agreement. So God had made a covenant with the people of Israel, and they weren't fulfilling their side. They were worshiping false idols. They were going here and there. And so God's, because God is a judge and God is just, there is consequences when you break agreement, when you break that covenant with God. So now we know we're not in that old covenant. We're in the new covenant. We're under the blood covenant. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 20 says, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. So when God sent his son to die on the cross, the blood of Jesus paid the price for our sin and that was the covenant. When we accept Jesus in our heart, just the simple acceptance of Jesus, you are becoming in covenant with God because of the blood of Jesus. Since God has a covenant with his people, it follows that God has covenant terms, a law which he expects his people to obey. So because we're in covenant with God, we always understand, we're always hearing about how good God is and how the goodness of God and how good he is towards us. In other words, we always are reminding ourselves about how well he fulfills his part of the covenant. And he does. If I give everyone a chance to five minutes to tell of the goodness of God, I'm sure that you would want more to tell about how good God has been to you. But could you, in return, spend that much time explaining or could you have lived up to the covenant that God has given? Have, have we been as faithful to God on our side of the covenant as what he has been to us? Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11, the Beatitudes, when Jesus was teaching Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The meek will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. 
Those who are merciful will obtain mercy. Those who are pure in heart shall, be, shall see God. And it goes on and on. And we read these, sometimes not understanding, in my view, these are covenant terms here. You see, in order for us to inherit the kingdom of heaven, we've got to be poor in spirit. We've got to understand that it's in our weakness that he is strong. It's not in our strength that we are strong. So the covenant says in order for us to be comforted, we've got to mourn. Well, that means we've got to understand that we were wretched and because of the sin, we are to mourn to God in repentance and then we receive comfort. In order for us to be filled spiritually, our part of the covenant, we have to hunger and thirst for righteousness, not for the things of the world. If we want to obtain mercy, our part of the covenant means we have to be merciful to others. And the, and the line goes on. In order for us to see God, we can't just live how we want to. The Bible says we have to be pure in heart. If you want to be called a child of God, we've got to be peacemakers. That's our part of the covenant with God. So we can't just live however we want to. And it's sometimes it's easy to forget that. Pleasing our flesh and not making any effort to live a holy life. There's no blessing button that you can just push and then all of a sudden a blessing falls out of the sky. It doesn't work with, it doesn't work like that with God. God means business. And you know, I thought about this. We get saved, but we don't stay saved because of his law, because of the commandments. We stay saved because of his promises. So we may hear what the law says and it might open our eyes up to see where we were and where we need to be. So therefore we, we become saved, but it's not his law that, that causes us to pull us to want to stay saved. It's his promises. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it's okay to not be prideful and say, well, I'm not giving of my time and giving of my money to get from God all the time. But at the same time, God wants to bless us when we bless him. It's his desire, just as I want my sons to have all that they need, and I'm going to try in every effort to give them what they need in spite of how they may disobey. If they come to me and they realize they're wrong and they apologize, guess what? My heart's going to turn, and I'm going to, start, I'm going to bless them. I'm, I'm going to forget about yesterday, and I'm going to keep on going on. I think about... Remember that old movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, years ago, the old one? Remember that old Veruca Salt who wanted the golden egg? Not just the golden egg, but she wanted the goose that laid the egg. And she would throw her temper tantrum. She'd scream and cry, and she'd sing that song, Don't Care How I Want It Now. And that pitiful father would give her everything she asked for. And she stood on that balance, and guess what? She was a bad egg. I thank God that he's not like that. God decides to discipline us and not give us everything we want because he knows that we'll become spoiled. In fact, if he gives us everything we want and we can live however we want, then Jesus dying on the cross was in complete vain. There was no reason for the blood of Jesus to wash us if God lets us live however we want to live. 
So there's these things and these ways and these, these laws that God still has in order for us to fulfill our part of the covenant if we want to say and know that God has gone before us. So we can't just, I can't just say that God is going before me and making the crooked places straight if I've turned the wrong way. We've got to make sure that we're on the right path following his word or we can't say that God is before us. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 13, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in that way. There's a narrow gate, it's a, it's not wide, that leads to the path of righteousness. And then there's a wide gate that's just easy to get into and many people follow in that gate. And the Bible says that that gate leads to destruction. So that lets me believe that in spite of the fact that we know that God is a loving God, God is understanding, God is forgiving. He promises he will go before us and make the crooked places straight. But in order for us to actually walk in that blessing, we've got to pick up on our part of the covenant and live for him. You say, well, how do I do this? How do I know what's right and what's wrong? How do I fulfill this part of the covenant? Because it's a spiritual covenant. It's not something that we can actually physically see other than what we do. John 16, 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. So the same Holy Spirit that led you to salvation is the same Holy Spirit that keeps you in the walk of holiness and sanctification that same feeling and that understanding that you had that pulled you emotionally to, to say yes to Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that keeps you in his presence, that keeps you walking. Psalms 23, a passage that we all know very well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me beside the still waters. If he's leading me, then what would, should we be doing? We should be following. And if we're on the right path to him opening up the, the gates of brass, and bra then we've got to follow him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All of this comes with the covenant. This is what you get in the package, the package deal. This kind of stuff is what makes you want to keep serving God. I love to see the Ten Commandments because it keeps me understanding what's right and wrong. But the Ten Commandments is not what keeps me desiring to serve God. It's this, knowing that it's, it's God that walks with me beside the still waters. When I'm walking in the valley of the shadow of death, because I'm in covenant with him, I won't fear any evil. He said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What does that mean? How does goodness and mercy follow you? When you are walking in paths of righteousness for God, when you're walking, goodness and mercy is going to follow you. So you're going to end up doing the right things at the right time and favor is going to follow you. So when you're good to people, you're going to most of the time get good back to you. When you're merciful to people, guess what? There's going to be merciful people. There's going to be mercy following you. It's sort of like sowing seeds. You reap what you sow. 
all the days of your life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But for some reason, we still get afraid when we don't know what tomorrow holds. Even though God promises that he will bring us through tomorrow, he is ahead of us, he will go before us, we still fear. In Isaiah chapter 37, verses 14 through 20, it talks about how the Assyrian king has sent a letter to Hezekiah of destruction, telling him, I'm coming to get you and I'm coming to kill you. I don't care what you think your God is, I'm coming to kill you. So Hezekiah had this fear that came upon him. Even though that he knew that, he knew that God was going before him, there was still trouble. The Bible says, and Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and he read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. And then Hezekiah prayed, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you've made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. He said, open your eyes and see. Hear all of the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to approach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste of all the nations in their lands. He's telling God, I know for a fact that I have a reason to be scared because the Assyrians have done destruction to these other people, God. When you're in a really bad situation, you can't deny that you're in a really bad situation. You can't just act like it's not there. It's there. But you don't have to, you don't have to carry it. We ought to do what Hezekiah did. He didn't deny the fact that destruction was coming to him. But I'm gonna tell you what he I'm gonna tell you where we get in where we get in trouble at. When we have a word of destruction, whether it's physically, financially, spiritually, sometimes it's a family situation that comes to your door and it wants to cause destruction. Instead of getting on the phone, we need to go to the throne. That's what Hezekiah did. He took his letter of destruction. He took that letter that was saying, I'm coming to get you. And the Bible says that he spread it before the Lord. So Hezekiah had to have this, had to have some kind of understanding that when God says, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight, that meant that in spite of the fact that I have this letter of destruction, God is already in the future because he's the alpha and he's the omega. So he was there when the Syrian king was writing the letter. So God already knew the letter was coming, but at the same time, God's in the future. So God already knew that if Hezekiah would follow his part of the covenant and do what God wanted him to do, which was bring it to me. You ever get somebody's mail, your neighbor's mail in the mailbox? Well, you do, you bring it to him. This is, I'm sorry, I got the wrong mail. So what God was saying to Hezekiah, that wasn't for you, that was for me. Give me that letter because this is my battle. He said, it's not yours. And that's what he says to us tonight. Take your problems, take your burdens to the Lord, leave it there. You spread it out before God and you hand it to him and say, God, I got this letter in the mail and it's something I can't deal with. It's too big for me, but it's just your size, God. And you spread it out before God. Hezekiah spread it out before God. He cried out to him. He told him there is a problem, but I know that you're big enough to handle it. And guess what? God gave him the victory. God went before him. He made the crooked place straight, a place that Hezekiah couldn't get to. 
He seen a crooked road and he didn't know what to do, but he laid before God and God took care of it. Moses, in Exodus chapter three, the Lord told him, get up from here, get your people. You have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land that I swore Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To your descendants, I will give it and I will send my angel before you. So God told Moses, get out of your comfort zone, just go. Just get up and go. Moses in his mind could have thought, where am I going? What am I doing? But God sent an angel before him and we know that God took care of Moses. Sometimes God will do that to us. He'll tell you, just go. Don't know where you're going, what you're doing. All you know is you're fulfilling your part of the covenant by obeying what he tells you to do. When God spoke to Abraham and told him to take his son up to sacrifice him up on the mountain, only God knows what Abraham was thinking in his mind. But his part of the covenant was to obey God. And see, God had already went before him and prepared that ram in the bush. Sometimes when God asks you to do something, it is a complete stretch to you feel like your arms and your legs is ripping out of your body. But know that what God has asked you to do will never be more than what you could handle because the Spirit of God is in you to help you do it. And God planted that ram on the top of that hill and all, he was, all God was doing just to see if Abraham had the faith that he thought he had. And he did. And that's what God, sometimes trials is just a test of your faith. And it feels like that you're gonna, if you feel like God's walking you all the way to the end of the cliff, and you feel like, God, I'm following you. I feel like I'm fixing to drop off. But it's right there where he catches you, just like he did for Abraham. He'll never let you go more than what you can bear. When Naomi went to Ruth and said, just go in the king's palace, lay at his feet, and do what I tell you to do. If I would have been Ruth, I would have just passed out right there because you weren't allowed to do that. You could have been killed if you would have walked in the king's presence without him letting you. But Naomi was being led by the spirit of God, I believe. This was all in order. This was all God leading. So Ruth walks in and does exactly what I believe the spirit of God had led Naomi to instruct Ruth and everything flowed in order. You know why? Because God had already been in that situation. He'd already went ahead. He had already dealt with the heart of the king some way. And everything fell in order and Ruth became what God wanted her to be. All because she obeyed. God went before her and made that crooked place straight because she obeyed. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't easy. It was very fearful. But she obeyed what God called her to do. And God brought blessing and favor upon her. I think about the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They could have bowed. They could have bowed to the king, but they didn't. They stayed on that straight and narrow path of, no, I'm not bowing to worship an idol God. And guess what that straight and narrow path led them to in a fiery furnace. And the world would look at that and say, well, you've been serving God all your life and look what the shape you're in now. Look what you're going through now. What has your God done for you? All of them years wasted. But see, they don't know that there's a fourth man in the fire with you and that just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in that fire, but for some reason, they weren't burnt. In fact, better than that, they walked out and they didn't even smell like smoke. Know that whatever we go through, 
when you're fulfilling your side of the covenant with God, no matter what it looks like on the outside, you're gonna walk out and you're gonna walk out clean. You're gonna walk out looking good. You're gonna walk out blessed. You're gonna walk out in favor, just like the children of Israel. All those millions of people walked all through that Red Sea all those years walking and the Bible says that they were in pretty good shape. And when you're following God, he's gonna keep you in shape. He's gonna help you. He's gonna strengthen you. He ain't gonna let your foot falter. He will be with you. One of my favorite stories. Acts chapter 16, verses 23 through 26. Paul and Silas, when they had been following the straight and narrow path, when they had been following after God, it led them to a prison cell. The Bible says, after they had been preaching and telling everybody about Jesus, when they had laid many stripes on them, they got beat. They threw them in the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. <clears throat> Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Sometimes it feels like when you're doing everything you're supposed to do for God. Let me, let me just me track this back for a second. There's nowhere in the Bible at all that says when you're fulfilling your part of the covenant that it's going to be a perfect and easy road. Let me just get that clear. It's not. In fact, the straight and narrow way, it's a, it's a little bit tougher to stay on the straight and narrow. You're not going to have a perfectly easy life just because you're living for God. But he will be the strength you need. He will be the one carrying you. He's the one that goes before you. So Paul and Silas was doing what God called them to do, to preach the good news of Jesus in a world that didn't want to hear it. They didn't care to hear it. In fact, they wanted to kill them. They threw them in jail and they found themselves in prison. After they had been beat, their backs were probably had blood. Their flesh was ripped off. They were sitting in complete misery. And they had two options. Do I fulfill my part of the covenant and trust God or do I just back out of this agreement and just deny God and just go along with what they're making me do? The Bible says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them you are, not minute, you are not living your life without people watching you. You see, what God does to you and through you is not just for you. It's for somebody else. So when you go through something and you're still doing right for God and you don't know how you're going to get through it, know that God is utilizing your situation for somebody else too. These prisoners were watching Paul and Silas after they had been beaten, bruised, and they were worshiping God. They didn't, I don't know that they preached to them, but their actions spoke way louder than any words that they could have ever been said to those prisoners. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. You know that heaven and earth declares there's a God when I hear that word, when I see that scripture that says there was a great earthquake, let's take that literal that the earth quaked. You know why? Because there was two men 
that had the choice to back out on their part of the covenant with God, but they decided to fulfill their part and they lined up with God. And do you know that the earth is waiting for us to line back up with God? I know that sounds random, but it really is. The earth was created to worship God. The earth was created, was created to even follow our leading as we lead as men and women of God. The earth is still waiting for that order to come back in place. And it just so happened that Paul and Silas got it right that night. They got in order. So I think, well, the earth got happy and had an earthquake. I'm just saying it's, listen, science goes right along with the word of God. This isn't just a mystical story. This is facts. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Did you get that? Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains and the prison and the bars of iron that surrounded them, the ones that he said he would break in pieces, the bars of iron that surround you and keep, that keep you from doing the will of God. So what they did, it just fulfilled the scripture that says, I will go before you. I will make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness. All by just obeying the word of God, by the leading of the spirit. Mom, if you would come. That's all it takes. I quoted it earlier, Revelations chapter one, verse eight. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the, and the end. Who is, he is what everything we need him to be. He was what the Old Testament men and women of God needed him to be. He was what Moses and Ruth and Paul and Silas and Abraham, he, he was what they needed him to be. He is what you need him to be. And for the generation that's after us, he will be what they need him to be. So if what we do is we see that these the Bible talks about a cloud of witnesses that have gone before us that have proved that they had faith and it was counted to them righteousness because of their faith. So because of that, we know it works. We live by faith and righteousness and the generation before us sees that example. And because of that, God blesses those who will be the generation ahead of us. God is at the beginning of our trouble and he's there at the end of it waiting too. But it's all on how we handle our side of the covenant from when we get the letter of destruction until where he wants it to be when you bring it to him. When you bring that letter of destruction to him, like Hezekiah said, God, I'm laying it out before you because this isn't for me. I can't handle it. And God says, it's just the right size for me, son. He's saying that to you tonight, my daughter, my son. That letter of destruction, that situation, whatever it is, I know it may be too big for you, but don't go asking for people's opinions right now because they're, they're not gonna help you. Bring it to me, he says. Because he says, I will go before you. I will make the crooked places straight. 
See, a doctor or a psychiatrist can only give you their opinions most of the time. A family member can help to the best of their ability. And sometimes even our pastors, as much as they want to, many women of God can only do so much. We have to bring our needs and the letters of destruction that the enemy has set before us to the throne of God. You lay it down at his feet. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16 in closing. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. When you are doing what God wants you to do and you're walking and you're moving and you're not stopping and all of a sudden you're at the Red Sea like the children of Israel were, a sea that there is absolutely no way that you could swim or you could cross over. It's at that time that if you look up to the hills where your help comes from, like the Word of God says, it's at that time when you take that letter of destruction of I can't face this, this isn't something I can deal with, and you look up to God, He will part the waters for you. I know He will. I know He will. He's done it for me personally. He's done it for my family. God will part those waters. When I think about how Aunt Josette had went through what she went through, she had a letter of destruction, but we all took it to God. And I thank God that it is by the grace and mercy of God that he parted that Red Sea for our family. And I have an aunt who was declaring the works of God all because she decided to keep her side of the covenant and have faith. When the doctor said it's over, we serve a God who keeps his covenant church. He blesses you. He wants to bless you. It's in his pleasure that you find out that he's good. Because when you find out he's good, just like I find out there's a new bakery down from where I live at, guess what? I'm going to tell somebody about it. Once you taste and see that the Lord is good, God knows you go tell somebody. That's what he wants. Tell somebody about his goodness. Tell somebody about how you kept doing trust in God at a time when you felt like giving up. But because you held up on your part of the covenant, God went before you and he broke down those bars of iron that you couldn't get through. He made straight the paths of, that were curvy and twisted that you had no clue where to go. He straightened them out for you as you followed after him. If you would stand with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Understand that God is in the future. Understand that. Understand that nothing takes him by surprise and everything that's at your doorstep that surprised you, he's already beyond that. But are we willing to handle it ourselves? Are we willing to take it to the throne? Are we gonna lay it out before the throne of God? Not just here, but at home. Are we gonna lay it out before God? He said, I will go before you. Listen to these words. 
I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I don't care if you have to say it to yourself. When you don't believe it, say, no, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. That's what God says. That little, you don't know what that little scripture on that little post-it note had done for me the past three years. Just looking at that piece of paper, every time I would get a doubtful thought or something, a fearful thought in my mind, I would look in that scripture and it would be God speaking to me, no, I will go before you and make their crooked places straight. It won't be you, don't worry. I know you can't do it, but he said, I will. I know you can't fix it, but God said, I'll fix it. I'll turn this road straight for you. I'll break these bars of iron that maybe the enemy has collapsed you in with. Maybe the enemy has barred you in with fear. He said, oh, bring this letter of destruction to me. He said, the Lord God said, I will. He said, I will. Tonight, the altars are open. I just want us to come and say, God, you're before me. You're before me, God. You're with me. Declare to him that you believe what I'm saying tonight. Declare to him what you believe what his word says. Say, God, I'm gonna fulfill my part of the covenant in believing that in spite of what I see, God, you've already gone before me. Amen, let's come and pray.